you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth happy memorial day weekend everyone i hope you guys have big plans today a client called me and she said betsy what are your big weekend plans and i said you are looking at them i am staying right here in westchester i am gonna hang out with my family my favorite part of holiday weekends is that everybody goes away so it's very quiet it must be very loud in the country or at people's beach homes because it is very quiet in the suburbs and in the city so i plan on spending a little time up here and then a lot of time down there in the city in central park pounding the pavement going to lunch not making reservations because no one will be there and we will be able to get a table so there we go i hope you have plans that are as exciting and if you don't it's a particularly good time to go shopping so you can sit at your house in your pjs turn on the air conditioning because you know summer will have officially begun and uh and start shopping because the sales are happening this weekend and if you haven't you will want to check out affordable interior designs designer discount shopping service because we will extend our trade discounts to you so we get discounts of between 10 and 40 percent off and then we pass that savings on to you we'll buy an entire shopping list of 25 items for 3.99 and that's unique items so 10 of the same item only counts as one item but it can be be a real savings and it's a new service that we offer whether you are a design client of ours or not so head over to affordableinteriordesign.com check out the designer discount shopping service and on average our clients save a total of $1,288 so this could be the perfect weekend to take advantage of those sales and of our service because when you combine those discounts hello hello all right well, let's dive in because I have a whole bunch of questions that have come in and I can't wait to answer them so you guys can shop with knowledge this weekend. So my first question this week came from Renee and Renee asked, Hi Betsy, I have another quick question. Thank you, thank you for making design accessible and for answering my questions as I send them in. What rug materials do you recommend? Wool, cotton, poly, viscose, blends, jute, or sisal? Thanks, Renee. 
All right, Renee, I have a strong point of view on each of these textures, so I'm going to take them one by one. Let's talk about wool. Wool is a great texture for a rug in terms of you're going to get that plush pile that we so often expect from a rug, and you're going to have a huge selection because places like Crate and Barrel, Pottery Barn, the majority of their rugs are going to be wool. Now the problem with wool is it does tend to shed. So you'll be dealing with vacuuming up fibers for as long as three months. If it continues after three months with regular vacuuming, then your rug has a problem and you may want to think about returning it. But that shedding is a normal part of life for three months. Additionally, when you play on the rug, at least this is what I discovered when I had wool rugs and had youngsters and we were playing on the floor all the time, Wool can be scratchy, just like your favorite wool sweater. You might wear an undershirt underneath because it can feel a little itchy. That's the same thing with your rug. So playing on it in shorts or in summer dresses, you may find that it chafes your skin and is uncomfortable, especially for small children. My little babies, every time we would play on the rug, would get these red splotches and patches, so much so that I had to get rid of our brand new wool rugs and change for a um, poly. That's a great transition piece. Let's talk about poly. So polyester rugs and nylon rugs, these kind of synthetic plastic derivatives, are so easy to work with. You can spill on them. They're easy to clean. They're typically low pile. So while they do feel somewhat plush, you don't get that beautiful squish that you're hoping for if you enjoy one of those high pile rugs, say in a bedroom or... Um, some kind of cozy nursery, right? Uh, so they're very durable, but they don't tend to be high pile. They do not tend to look very luxe. So oftentimes they'll have a bound edge around the outside, which I feel makes them look a little bit cheap. And bonus, they are cheap. So those poly rugs do tend to be quite affordable. In other words, I was recommending a poly rug for a client yesterday who has a daycare in her home in addition to living there. I found a 10 by 14 rug, which is really big, made out of poly, um, for under $500. If you were to find that same rug at Crate and Barrel, uh, of course, it wouldn't be a made out of poly because they don't make it out of that texture, but I'm just saying a similarly sized rug from a different texture from a different store would have been upwards of two to $3,000. That's the place to go to get that nice affordable option, especially if you have kids. Now, the other problem with poly is it does tend to off-gas a little bit, meaning that when you receive it from the store and you open it up, it might smell because it is a plastic derivative. So you might want to give it a little bit of time to air out before you start habit inhabiting there we go thank you the room let's get to your next texture so cotton cotton tends to be a low pile or mat style rug oftentimes woven oftentimes under 0.25 inches in terms of plushness which is essentially a mat that you could roll up it's not going to have any sort of cozy texture that being said you can shake it out you could easily vacuum it. You can easily move it around. You will want to use it with a rug pad because it is so slippy, slidey, matte style that it doesn't have a lot of weight to hold it down. It's not always so forgiving of stains because it's woven and there's just nowhere to go. So it just seeps in and sticks there. And they do tend to be fairly affordable, which is nice. So if it did get stained, you could easily 
move on, send it back to the universe and get a new one and uh, not be mourning the loss of too much cash. But you will have limited options. I would say that cotton mat style rugs were really popular even three years ago. And it's kind of phasing out. If you look at stores like CB2 or World Market, you'll see that they really aren't as readily available as they were before. Viscous. Viscous is a synthetic silk. And silk rugs, of course, are very high-end, super expensive, a little bit untouchable for most of my clients. But viscous has that similar shiny look, that similar silky feel. The problem with viscous is as much as I love looking at it in homes or in magazines, it is not durable. You spill water on a viscous rug and you're going to see that stain. It's such a bummer because moisture damages it so easily that I don't think it's worth the price even though they tend to be quite affordable. So you're not going to invest a lot, but you may be replacing it after you just have some condensation from a glass of iced tea that drips on it, which is a major bummer. Now let's talk about jute and sisal. People tend to think that jute and sisal are the same, but they are not. Sisal is sturdier. Sisal is a little bit rougher and tougher. We tend to use it in more high traffic areas. It can tend to feel a little bit more coarse. The exciting thing about both these natural texture rugs is that they're very affordable. So changing them out is really easy to do financially and um, they're pretty easy to maintain whether outdoors or in. But jute is a better texture for inside. It's a little bit more of a delicate texture, a little bit more of a um, soft fiber. So if I were thinking about putting a jute rug in, say, a beach house bedroom or a lake house den, I would opt for jute instead of sisal just to get a somewhat softer texture on my feet. Renee, I think I've covered most all of your questions except for blends. So blends can be a really nice way to get the best of several of these worlds. In other words, I like a viscous rug that's a blend because it doesn't tend to stain as easily as 100% viscous. I love a nylon rug that's a blend. It doesn't feel quite as synthetic. These are things to look for in terms of um, not getting... Oh my gosh, you know what I read? I read in the New York Times that when people have this lapse when they're looking for words, it means that, you know, they're getting older. Hello. But also it can be improved with exercise. Obviously, this holiday weekend, I need to go for a run or sign up for some kind of gym membership because I'm having some lapses today. All right, let's get to my next question. Brooke says, hello, Betsy. Thank you for this great podcast, Big Design, Small Budget. I have heard you mention how important contrast is. My cabinets and trim are cream, like antique like antique white, so they are pretty creamy. How can I get contrast? I'm starting to think that I'm going to have to paint the walls the same cream as the cabinets and the trim, or I'm going to have to paint the cabinets and trim white. I have medium wood floors and charcoal countertops, so I'm not really tied to anything, but I'm going to try and post this on your live Facebook feed. However, if I miss it, I wanted to send it as well as sending you a thank you, Brooke. Well, the exciting thing, Brooke, about these Facebook Live events is they live on this website. So you can come back to the well whenever you want and hear this answer all over again. 
If you have wood trim, and if you have cabinets that are both creamy white, you definitely should not paint the wall color the same thing. It's going to look like you went to the antique white store and said, give me everything you've got. We definitely want those walls to be a contrasting color. More than likely, it's not going to be a starker white than antique white because those bright white walls are really better for a super modern space like a Williamsburg loft or a converted factory. And it doesn't sound like you live in one of those spaces if you have antique white cabinets, which tends to be a more traditional or transitional look. In other words, we're going to want your walls to be a little bit deeper, maybe a tone of grayish since your countertops are charcoal. And already you've got a really good foundation for good design because you've got the dark countertops with the light cabinets and now maybe we can make another element of contrast with a backsplash, something in the middle to bridge the gap between those super light cabinets and that dark countertop. But yes, when people are looking to design, I am looking for contrast. It doesn't always have to mean contrast in color, however. It could mean contrast in the quality of the material or the texture. In other words, if something were very shiny, maybe something's very matte. If something shows a wood grain, maybe something else doesn't. So contrast can be achieved in ways that aren't just color. That being said, you know that I want you to paint your walls a color. You know that I think you could do a backsplash that's not off-white. And that's going to be a great start. What else? I'm actually helping a couple right now who I've designed two of their office spaces in Rockefeller Center. I've designed one of their apartments on the New Jersey waterfront, and now I'm designing a new condo for them, and we are building their kitchen from the ground up. And it's been very exciting because I don't usually get to do that. Usually I'm coming in and making things that already exist better rather than starting from scratch. So it's been very exciting to take these principles of building on contrast and layering it into their renovation. So for instance, for them, we picked a gray cabinetry, which I do feel can be a little bit trendy, but I also think can be pretty exciting if you do it in a more timeless way. So we did it with a cabinetry that's mildly ornate for a transitional look. We also did um, a wood stain that's gray and got kind of a brushed effect rather than a solid gray paint, which I do feel, as I mentioned before, might be out in a few years. But I think um, doing that wood grain, doing that more traditional or classic kind of curving texture with a little bit of border on the cabinets takes it from the trendy shaker front straight lines painted gray to something that can have a little bit more durability in terms of style. And then we paired it with a white gray veined countertop. And then what did we do for the backsplash? We did something interesting. Ah, I can't remember. But again, we were looking for contrast. So I did not do gray, nor did I do any sort of marble effect since the countertop is white with the gray veining. I can't remember what we did. But when I think of it, I will get back to you. Vacation brain. Memorial Day vacation brain. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips 
things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's get to my next question from Carly. Carly writes, Betsy, I love your podcast. I have a question for you about picture display. My husband and I got married last year and we have some beautiful wedding pictures that I would like to display in our condo. However, I have noticed that in other newlywed homes, there is an overabundance of wedding pictures everywhere and it is something that is not appealing to me. As a result, I only have one portrait in our bedroom right now. Any thoughts on this? I would like to have some pictures up, but I want to avoid our home looking like a shrine to us. Thanks, Carly. Yes, I do think that some people, especially early in their life as newlyweds, do go overboard with the wedding pictures. They're everywhere. And, you know, it might be because they don't have a lot of pictures of them together otherwise. Maybe they got together quickly and got married in less than seven months like me and my husband. We didn't have a backlog of images of us because we were in a fairly new relationship. Or uh, maybe it's just because they've spent so much money on that wedding that they want to get longevity from those images. But I have seen a lot of people go a little bit overboard and I understand your concerns. The key for me when integrating pictures, because you'll see that this happens again when and if you have children, Carly, is that people go overboard with the newborn shots. People go overboard with the family photo shoots at whatever place, and then those get everywhere, and you swap out the wedding ones. Well, let me tell you, a nice mix is helpful. So I don't think you should relegate wedding pictures only to the bedroom, and I think it's a shame that you only have one up right now. Why don't you sprinkle a couple in the living room on bookshelves? You know, don't just think about pictures having to be on the walls. Leaning frames on a shelf can be a nice way to integrate it with other items. So putting a small vase in front of a frame that's on a bookcase that has books next to it, maybe a box. You know, boxes are fun to play with in terms of styling objects. But integrating it into the decor a little bit more and also remembering that we have pictures of other things. It doesn't have to be just about you and your husband. It could be pictures of your individual family members. It could be old-fashioned pictures, maybe of your grandma when she was younger. It could be pictures of pets. But just making sure that it's a nice mix the other thing that you want to make sure is that photographs aren't all that you have on your walls. You know, if your walls only have photographs or only have paintings, well, it can look like you are exhibiting some work at a museum. You know, it's too thematic and it's not that nice mix we're going for in terms of 
contrast, going back to Brooke's question. So if in one room I have a photograph hanging, I'm going to make sure that the next thing that I have hanging is not a photograph. Maybe it's a painting or a lithograph or a drawing. I'm always thinking about that mix. So in other words, in my dining room, I have some posters, some French school posters from the 50s. And then I also have a family photo that we took from JCPenney that's absolutely charming. And then as you segue to my living room, I have a lithograph and I also have a painting. And then in my hallway, I have a map. Now you can see each area has a different type of art, but all the areas are open. So it would look awfully thematic and dense if they were all photographs. And you know, you can hang things that aren't um, imagery. You could hang mirrors, you can hang clocks, you can hang baskets, you can hang hooks to show off your collection of hats. There's a lot of things that you can do to make an artistic statement without hanging art per se. So that would be my advice for you, and I hope that helps, Carly. We're going to get to my last question of the day before I check out mentally and um, and get back to work, actually. <laughs> I'm not going on vacation. Who's kidding who? All right, next question comes from Caitlin. Caitlin, you write, Hi, Betsy. My husband, my one-and-a-half-year-old, and I are buying a three-bed, two-bath home and moving from our small condo. I've been listening to new and old episodes of your podcasts. I've taken your online classes, and I am eagerly awaiting the arrival of your newest book. Thank you so much for the knowledge you're willing to share. We close in a month, and I cannot wait to be able to make the house our own. We are so excited to have more space, but I have some design questions I'm stuck on. If you think that these questions would be of interest to other listeners, I'd be so grateful to get your opinion and your advice on the following. First question. The entire house has beautiful medium grayish porcelain tiles. We love them. I plan on using blue, white, and light beige as my color scheme, my 60-30 tin in the living spaces. And I wanted to use a warm pale gray or grayish as the wall color. I'm concerned that if the floors and the walls are too similar, it might look bland. With medium light floors, do you recommend going lighter or darker in contrast to the floors? Or is there a similar tone on the wall and a similar tone on the floor? Could that be acceptable? The walls are currently white, with the exception of a medium grayish accent wall, or as you would say, accident wall, in both bathrooms. Although it looks nice and white, it's a little bland. I hope to stay on the lighter side because we live in Miami, so light and bright is the motto here. Also, the house is not huge, 1,600 square feet, and the ceilings are not high. I'm thinking of doing blue on the wall, but I think it would be a bit much, and I would like to stick to a neutral. I'm thinking of Repose Gray by Sherwin-Williams, Balboa Mist, Classic Gray, Pale Oak, or Silver Satin. Okay, so let me answer this first question first. I would not do the wall color the same color as the tiles. I do want you to go for that contrast. And if you're trying to keep things light and bright, well, you would go lighter than the mid-tone flooring. That being said, if you didn't live in Miami and you hadn't told me that you wanted this light, bright effect, the next thing that I would be asking you is how much daylight this room gets. Because if it's saturated with daylight, if you have a ton of windows, I think going darker than the floors could be compelling. Especially if it was a room like a dining room or a den, if it wasn't that main living space that continues through the hallway, the family room, the kitchen, etc. 
So don't be afraid to go bold. Don't be afraid to make a statement with your paint. And you know, one of my favorite ways to use paint is in that main area to go for the lighter shade and then go two or three shades darker in those moodier or more dramatic rooms that I mentioned, dining room, den, etc. That can be a fun way to make the areas feel different without using a different color or using a true color like blue. Now, before I move on to question two, I need to give you a Betsy Smackdown. You told me that your color palette is going to be blue, white, and light beige. That was your 603010. And I want you to remember that the 603010 should be in, comprised of at least two, if not three, Roy G. Biv colors, colors found in the rainbow. So if we're looking at your color palette right now, you only have one Roy G. Biv color. And I'm going to tell you, it sounds like a whole lot of boring is going on. That's what I'm hearing. And I'm a fan of muted as much as the next girl. My clients have gotten me on board with really um, muting my color palettes, making things more subdued. I've gone from multicolored in my house to really appreciating the new street um, store that opened on the street at land here on main street in Dobbs. I go in there and I start drooling because the walls are all this stark white. Your color palette is skewing a little cool. And so I would really like to see that change and you going a little bit warmer with maybe a pale yellow, maybe even a pale purple, just to invite a little touch of warmth in your color scheme, even if it's just that 10%. But anyway, I found myself as I'm growing older, perhaps I'm growing more sophisticated as well, and I'm not as much of a stickler on these bright Roy G. Biv colors, but I do want to let you know I'm seeing a problem already with you not using more color and really using those neutrals as somewhat of a crutch in this space. Warning. Uh, the next question is, the house was built in the 50s, so storage space is sparse. The room's closets are the only closets in the house. I want to install built-ins before I move in to help with organization and maximize the space. I saw some options on Wayfair, and I'm aware of companies that make custom built-ins. Do you have any opinions on buying and installing generic built-ins versus using a company to customize the closets? Yes, I do have opinions. So how long are you going to be in this new space? That's my first question, because if you're going to be there over 10 years, you should make all your dreams come true and do whatever you want, knowing that after 10 years, it's either going to be a little bit worn out or totally look dated. Um, but if you're going to be there less than 10 years, we need to be thinking about resale value. And from what it sounds like to me, everybody who would move in this space is going to have issues with the lack of storage because there's no kind of communal closets for things like linens or pantry area. And everybody's going to face that challenge in a small home. So I'd recommend doing some built-ins. And I'd recommend doing them somewhat nicely depending on your area. For instance, Westchester here is a little bit of a ritzier area in some ways. People are moving from the city and they have expectations that things will be very nice. So I would not recommend that somebody cheaps out on their closets here if they are moving within 10 years because it will compromise the resale value versus serving as an asset to the resale value. Because of course, if you use a company that people are familiar with, say California closets or something similar, well, people are going to be excited about that. And that's even something you could put on the listing to be an enticement for buyers. 
But if it's going to be just you guys, I like places like I think the place was called Creative Closets where basically you send in the measurements of your closets and then they build it out for you virtually and send you the pieces and then you have a local handyman or contractor install the closets for you. It can be a much more affordable route while still getting that totally custom look and feel. And then you could go with something like Alpha from the container store, but I really hate that wire. I had an Alpha system in my closet for too many years, and I just hated those wire pieces. It felt cheap. It was hard to fully utilize. The Alpha system does now have some wood pieces that are better, but um, just think about that resale factor. Also think about where you are financially right now. Because say you want that custom closet system, say you're going to sell within 10 years, but you really don't have the budget to do California closets or a similar company because they're just so pricey, well, do what you can. Do what you can, but just keep in mind that it may not pay you back on the back end. And normally for built-ins, in other words, if people were doing built-ins for convenience, like a built-in bookcase, like a built-in desk system, that I have a lot of questions about in terms of resale value because that... um, is basically just to someone's tastes. And so many times I see people walking in and saying, I want to rip that out. I don't like that. We don't need this many bookcases. I want to buy my own or reuse my own desk. And that I think would be a total loss in terms of resale value for a type of built-in along those lines. I hope that helped, Caitlin. And I hope you have a wonderful Memorial Day holiday. I'm going to go rest my brain and um, do some mindless emailing. And I will be back with you next week, refreshed, relaxed, having played in the city and in the suburbs uh, with my family and taken a little pause from design for this Memorial Weekend holiday. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends 
or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.